Folks, you know, the uh, offseason hasn't exactly given Jets fans uh, a lot to be super excited about. But you know what? I've still got some things I want to track for the 2022-2023 Winnipeg Jets season. And I want to tell you what things might be most worth keeping an eye out uh, for this upcoming season on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Now, on tonight's episode, I wanted to spend some time um, maybe diving into some stuff looking into next season. Now, I know that we've talked about this in the past. Uh, Some of this, like I I gave some reasons to be optimistic and some things to be maybe not so optimistic about when it comes to stuff like Winnipeg's playoff odds, um, kind of what I felt about the upcoming season as a whole, and what changes, uh, at least with the roster the Jets have made. I kind of want to step a little bit deeper this time and go into some more specific and more granular things that I want to keep an eye on. The first thing that I'm kind of keeping an eye on for this upcoming season is the special teams. And I know that that sounds maybe not the the most sexy thing to, uh, to be tracking with the Jets, but honestly, this has been a real sore spot for the past several years. Um, and look, I'm not really expecting anything like, uh, uh, super crazy, but with Scott Arneal now helming the PK, um, and I'm not really sure who's going to be messing with the power play just yet, but at least on the PK side, this is most likely Arneal's, uh, port of call. I think that we could actually see, um, maybe even like a league average penalty kill, which, you know, for the, for the Jets would honestly be a, a tremendous difference, right? In the past, the Jets have always had. Uh, uh, like a bottom five, bottom 10 penalty kill, which has put the team under a lot of duress. And honestly, you know, with the talent that the Jets have and, you know, their their commitment to a more defensive approach, the fact that the PK leaked so many chances was kind of surprising, right? Uh, the, the disorganization, the weird penalty kill structure, um, sometimes just asking Kyle Connor to sort of be the main penalty killer and try to create goal scoring opportunities instead of actually killing off these chances it's not always really been uh, a particularly organized, well-schooled approach. And so for me, uh, this this new look penalty kill under Arneal might be maybe one of the better changes under the hood that the Jets have had on this side of things in some time. Uh, obviously, the PK they've experimented with in the past, but it hasn't really uh, yielded anything in particular. You know, we've all seen what happens when the Jets use that so, like that stupid uh, the T formation where you had the two guys closer to um, Winnipeg's blue line. And I guess that they thought the T would be uh, some kind of a better structure, but instead it just leaked a lot of flanking chances. And, you know, Winnipeg, yeah, 
it, it was kind of time for, uh, you know, a coaching staff change on the assistant coaching side. I think that, you know, stuff like special teams, defensive coverages, all that stuff had kind of gotten long in the tooth to the point where um, maybe this was a really good chance for Winnipeg to reevaluate what it's got and make some more systemic changes. And so for me, the PK could be something I want to see uh, improved upon. The power play, I don't really know if there's a lot that has to change. Uh, you know, there were some things where maybe I would like more variety than just optioning to Kyle Connor every single time. Um, that part, you know, I wasn't really as in love with this uh, this past season, in part because I felt like, you know, the Jets' power play has a lot of weapons, but ultimately it did feel a little bit one-dimensional. Now, the thing is, despite optioning KFC on so many one-time opportunities and stuff, the PP was still pretty darn effective, uh, and it certainly created a lot of goal-scoring threats. So I wasn't super mad with it, but, you know, there were some deployments that maybe I'd like to see a little bit more Ailers on the power play, um, maybe a, a little bit more usage of the slot that we used to see when Mark Shifley kind of occupied uh, that middle space there a couple of years ago um, in front of the goalie, uh, maybe a little bit more usage of the bumper in a way that that's not going to drive me insane. I, I just felt like there were small tweaks and maybe some, um, you know, I, I don't know if I want to call it like variety pieces, but maybe uh, a bit more diversity in goal scoring opportunities and threats, that sort of usage of different passing angles, different shooting angles uh, and different spatial um, setups I think would make the Jets a lot more effective because honestly, I think it's going to be hard for them to score at even strength. So I think in a season like this, where they have maybe uh, one of the weaker rosters that, that we've seen with this Jets squad over the past couple of years, um, any sort of power play opportunity is going to be really crucial for this team to start finding success. So yeah, I, I think the special teams for me could be one of the more underrated storylines of the year. Uh, if the PK is even average and the power play is maybe somewhere in the top 10 of the league, you know, the Jets might actually be able to kind of squeak through some stuff. Now, I still think on the whole, my prognosis for the team is still not great. But, you know, at the very least, there are some things to look for, um, maybe in the margins to try and squeeze out value. Because I think for, for bonus, that's going to have to be his approach. I think as a whole, you know, the Jets still don't have that competitive of a roster. And if you can try and find some value um, in, and squeeze out however much you can out of stuff like an improved PK, trying to concede less opportunities, uh, and maybe use that man advantage um, to really punish opponents and, and put the Jets in the lead more frequently, you know, maybe Winnipeg can kind of squeak through in some sort of miraculous way and make a like a wild card spot. But obviously a lot of other stuff has to change. And in just a little bit, we'll talk a, a bit more about a couple of other things to keep an eye on, stuff that maybe might push the Jets just a little bit further, even if it's not going to be uh, the primary driver of success. But before we go any further, though, I do want to talk to you a little bit about a, uh, a pretty important disclaimer, uh, something that I think, you know, personally for me is a very important thing. Uh, a lot of us have dealt with those who um, have, you know, unfortunately passed away from drunk drivers you know, whether they were driving under the influence themselves or they were killed by somebody uh, who was also driving under the influence. So this comes from uh, the NHTSA. And again, I really think you should take a take a moment and listen and reflect 
on what this message is and why it's really important for all of us to make sure that we're driving sober. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes too, uh, too many, and as the evening comes to an end, you start to head out, and you think to yourself, you know, I, I only live a little bit, uh, a few minutes away from my house. I can make it. You know, I haven't had that much to drink, right? Uh, I can definitely drive home. I'm not going to get pulled over. What is the worst that could happen? What are the odds that there's going to be cops even looking for me? Your insurance goes up maybe if you have an accident. So what? You know, you, you, you might have your license suspended. All right, that's a little bit worse. But what happens when the consequences start adding up? Maybe you lose your job. You total your car. Maybe you accidentally kill your someone, or kill someone or yourself. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. But that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. If you think you're okay to drive, uh, to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's. Drive sober or get pulled over. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On, Pod, uh, Locked On Podcast Network. Again, thanks so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now, I, I wanted to spend this episode talking about um, some things that I want to keep an eye out for uh, this upcoming season that I think are maybe a little bit more in the weeds, a little bit more granular, some things that might be more influential on like a tactical level. And, you know, while they may not be the most important parts of the season, I think could have uh, maybe like some knock-on effects for the Jets, uh, especially trying to squeeze out value in the margins, because as a whole, the team is not going to be particularly great. So I think it's very important for Winnipeg to try and improve in as many different uh, smaller categories as possible um, in order to kind of have like a a sum of the whole is greater than the part sort of effect. Uh, so we, we talked about special teams being something that I'm very keen to see kind of what happens with the penalty kill. You know, will it be improved? Uh, is the power play going to be a little bit more spicy this time around? A bit more variety in scoring threats? Uh, the second traditionally under Palm Jets blue line was very conservative and not particularly active. So, um, when you watch the Pittsburgh Penguins, right, what do you notice about their, their back end, right? Very active, very mobile, a lot of overlaps, a lot of positional changes, guys handing off assignments, uh, and sort of rotating around the offensive zone. The Jets never really did this. Uh, the only time that they ever really let the blue liners kind of activate, drop deep, and kind of trade spaces with the forwards and offer more puck-carrying support was 2017-2018. Ever since then, you know, Paul Maurice really wasn't um, apt to kind of trust that blue line and let guys sort of do their thing. His fear was always that Winnipeg would get counted on. And, you know, I, I do to a point understand that, you know, obviously when you drop below the face-off circles or something as a defender, it does open you up to really rapid counters, which with the Jets, you know, Winnipeg is very bad at defending the rush. Um, you know, we have a lot of guys who are not necessarily the fastest, uh, on tracking back or even heading uh, in a straight line back up the ice. And so it's not that I necessarily hated this approach to, uh, you know, being a little bit careful with how you uh, attack the offensive zone to, to prevent counters. But I kind of feel like because they were so focused on not, not making those mistakes, 
the blue liners didn't really get involved. And oftentimes you just had three forwards out there attacking and two skaters who weren't really participating on the back end, which for the Jets basically created a lot of situations where um, the forwards were really isolated and the defenders honestly didn't even defend the rush all that well anyways. So what was even the point of not letting them uh, be aggressive and attack, right? If you had them hang back so far, instead of dropping deep and supporting the forwards, what is the point if you still give up those rush chances anyways? And for me, that was kind of a really frustrating thing. Uh, Maurice was very adamant about it, and I kind of felt like it it ended up putting the Jets in a situation where their best trait, which is goal scoring, never really got to be expressed. Uh, look, I, I get it. You know, Maurice had a lot of more conservative conservative defensive tendencies, but at some point he had to recognize that the Jets were never really going to be a strong defensive team to begin with. Rather than, you know, trying to defend uh, narrow margins or something, I just wish they would have let the defense try and drop in, offer a little bit more physical support. If nothing else, just, you know, try to apply pressure on the forecheck because, you know, the Jets forwards really needed support and they just never had it. I think under bonus that might actually change. Uh, Bonus has often let, you know, maybe even less skilled defensive blue line units actually activated a bit more frequently. And I think it could be something that, you know, for Winnipeg would be a welcome change. I know that it sounds like, you know, not the most exciting change, kind of like special teams, but I think it's a really important thing for Winnipeg because oftentimes the forwards have just really struggled to create much of anything down low, especially when they're basically facing a five on three situation where, you know, the two guys that are at their, you know, at the opposing blue line, just aren't really offering any support. If the Jets actually start to maybe overload the puck carrier or offer a few more passing outlets and stuff, you know, create more zone time and possession, maybe Winnipeg can actually tire out the opposing defenders. Too often, you know, that three-on-five matchup for the Jets uh, just kind of killed whatever offensive ability uh, Winnipeg's top six was really capable of. And we all know that the bottom six really wasn't going to create much either. So, This time, it would be nice if the defenders are allowed to be more aggressive. Uh, I don't want them to be constantly dropping deep to the point where, you know, every two seconds they're giving up a rush chance, right? I don't know that that would be the most ideal situation, but give your your, your top puck movers a little bit more leeway to activate and kind of express themselves. That's where somebody like Vili Heinola, Nate Schmidt, uh, and a few other guys would really be valuable. Heinola and Schmidt especially have that natural puck carrying and offensive ability, which I think for the Jets at times, we saw some of the, some of that being, being used with Schmidt, but not as much as I'd like. I think it was not enough to really compensate for the, the defensive side of his game kind of not being all that great. With Heinola, I think it has to be something that you let him do because otherwise, you know, you're not really getting a lot of defensive value at the other end, but if you're letting him uh, carve up the opposing offensive zone, uh, using you know that that really gifted skating of his, that great vision, that great passing, um, the deft puck work, and and certainly the dangerous shot that he has, I think you're going to really see why when he was you know playing for Team Finland, he was such a hot, highly rated, highly touted prospect. He's got the vision, he's got the creativity, and that sort of skill set is something that Bonus has actually really used a lot with guys like Heiskanen. So, I think this is something that I'm actually kind of anticipating. Uh, and, and a little bit excited for. I don't know that Rick is going to allow the defense to 
activate and and really support all that frequently, but I'm hoping it's a lot more than what Maurice used to do because um, as it is, you know, the Jets are just very static in a lot of ways. And with the forwards not really having enough support, it just made even strength play a, a constant slog. And, you know, as a fan, honestly, all I kind of ask is that the Jets just aren't boring to watch. And, you know, it, it can't really be like the past couple of years where Winnipeg was constantly losing even strength battles and not even letting the defenders kind of do their job uh, and support offensively. So this is a chance for, you know, bonus to kind of hit the reset button and give the blue line a little bit more leash to really support the Jets forwards. I think the forwards would certainly love it. I think, you know, they've kind of gassed themselves out over the past couple of years, having to do all of the heavy lifting, maybe for once, give your guys some support, let them, you know, have a few extra moments of rest and, you know, create those waves of offensive zone pressure that made the 2017, 2018 team such a monstrous threat. But, you know, this team's not going to be on that level, of course, but at the very least, you know, maybe your forwards aren't going to be gassed by, you know, minute 30 or something because they've had to do just about everything when it comes to creating offense. But we'll see if bonus really wants to change it. I think it's something that would be a, a great op, you know, opportunity for um, a tactical adjustment and something that the Jets have desperately needed for years. Uh, but uh, of course, uh, you know, I'm not in the, the head of bonus. I can only speak um, as an outside perspective. And, you know, he might not always agree with his assessment uh, and some of the other thoughts that we've had. But we'll find it soon enough, as, of course, the season is not too far away. And, uh, you know, that that is a, a pretty big change that could really have a positive impact. But it's not the only one. There is one more that I think I've mentioned before on previous episodes, something that I think is really uh, maybe the secret weapon in Winnipeg's arsenal and one that could pose both the most benefit and maybe the most risk for the Jets. We'll talk about what this change is in just a little bit and why it might impact Winnipeg's season and future seasons going forward. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. We have talked about, uh, at a higher level, some small changes here and there that I think might be uh, cumulatively really important for the Jets as they try and uh, get back into the postseason picture. Because as it is right now, the team is not looking particularly great or strong. And so, you know, for for the coaching staff, they're going to have to squeeze out every ounce of value out of this team that they can, which is going to be easier said than done. Now, we've talked about, you know, special teams changes maybe being a thing, uh, a more aggressive blue line being a thing. The single most important thing that I think I want to track is how the youth are deployed next year, because uh, the, the prospects with this team have traditionally not been given very many elevated roles. The only exceptions that I can think of recently, um, like especially within the same season, you know, a guy getting promoted from a, a lower part of the roster lineup to maybe even like a prime top six or top pairing uh, defensive role is is like Perfetti, right? There haven't been many prospects like him being elevated. Logan Stanley, even in his case, he's mostly been given uh, somewhere around like, you know, 14, 15 minutes a night on the high end, uh, which is for the most part more third pairing. So it's not like he's been playing, you know, second or first pairing minutes. Instead, you know, Cole Perfetti is probably the closest that we've seen. And even Perfetti, you know, he'll have his, he'll have like his minutes limited um, and he'll often be deployed in depth roles at times, which 
uh, under Dave Lowry kind of really irritated me. I think that that was a mistake and kind of a waste of his skill sets. But, you know, this time under bonus, I think Rick might be the guy to give um, the rookies and a lot of the prospects a lot more leash and a lot more ice time in prominent roles. He did it with the Dallas Stars. Uh, he trusted a lot of the younger guys like Urianov and Heiskanen, um, Rope Hintz. He allowed them to sort of be who they are and really contribute actively. And it gave the Dallas Stars a lot more bite than you would normally expect. Because when you look at this team without a lot of those guys in prime positions, suddenly that depth and skill that they have kind of vanishes. The Stars are not a particularly good team. And I think in a lot of ways, where they are right now might actually mirror something similar to the Jets. You've got some declining veterans. You've got some very good young players and prospects who can contribute at the NHL level right now. And you have an opportunity to integrate them into more prominent roles because maybe the veterans are kind of struggling themselves. So I think for me, I'm curious to know how bonus will do this. Um, You know, this is Chevy's first real foray into uh, running this team the way that he wants to over what Paul Maurice used to kind of dictate. And I think that that could be maybe a congruency and vision with, with bonus. I think Rick would have had to have been sold on the way that Chevy wants to do things before he even accepted this job. And so I think playing the kids, guys like Heinola, Perfetti, uh, and, and some of the other prospects, including Sandberg, I think that that was probably in the job description. And I think Bonus would probably still have agreed to it anyways, because I think that that sort of aligns with what Rick did when he was with Dallas. And I think he's probably to some degree, you know, more than happy to do that. So long as guys kind of earn their keep. Um, And I think that this youth thing is really for me, one of the most important things that I want to see over the next several years is the Jets kind of commit to it because if they're not willing to give their kids that they draft any ice time or, let them kind of express themselves in the way that they need to on the ice. Winnipeg is always going to struggle. The Jets can't really build through traditional means in free agency and stuff. So if they're not going to do that, then they have to draft and develop. And, you know, once that process is done, let the kids actually enter the lineup and and earn their spot. So uh, I'm curious to know what the Jets are going to do with this. I hope that bonus is very open-minded about the youth. I think it could be one of the better changes that he brings uh, over the next season or so. But I'd be curious to know how you feel about this. Maybe you think the kids aren't really ready for the time, um, for primetime deployments and stuff in the spotlight. Be sure to let me know in the comments below what you're looking forward to tracking and what changes you think the Jets might see under bonus and some of the new coaching staff, uh, either in the comments below or at my social medias uh, at loco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. While you're at it, be sure to make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Our experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. You can stay up to date on all things in the world of hockey, all at the press of a button on your favorite podcasting platform. So be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to Locked On NHL right now. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.